Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Picture yourself wrapped in its softness. Whether you're enjoying a captivating TV show, gathered around a crackling campfire, or cheering for your favorite football team. Minky understands your fall cravings. Our blankets are tailor-made for those heartwarming autumn vibes. With a variety of colors, they're perfect for complementing the hues of fall, as well as showing off your team pride with their vibrant team colors. And the best part? We've got sizes for the whole family, ensuring that everyone can experience the joy of cozying up in Minky's embrace. This fall, let Minky be your companion in creating unforgettable moments. Wrap yourself in comfort, share love, and relish the essence of the season. Minky Blankets, where warmth meets love in every color for every moment. Fall into one of our Minky Couture stores or visit us online at minkycouture.com. Oh, what's up, y'all? How's everybody doing? Good evening, everybody. And welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I'm Bryson Carver, and I'm feeling mighty fine about myself right now, I must say. Because, um, you know, earlier this season, uh, the notion was that the Green Bay Packers would be competing for Super Bowls. I said, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. This is a limited defense. It is a quarterback we know in the biggest of games does not always play his best. It is a coach that in the biggest games tends to get a little scared of the moment, if it's fair to say that. It is a wide receiving unit that is limited, to say the very least. And overall, it is a team that even in the week NFC, was not then and is not now good enough to get into the postseason. So this is for you, Packers fans. I had to bring this baby back out. You didn't think I'd ever be wearing this again, did you? Oh, all right. But we do have a good show on tap for you guys tonight. I'm going to have to eat a little bit of crow uh, from my man Dak Prescott. I will listen. I will give Dak some pointers and uh, how to end this little, uh, uh, little dry spell he's dealing with right now. Last go pack go right there. Also discuss the Jacksonville Jaguars getting to the postseason with a big one of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, we will discuss Lovey Smith getting fired, Cliff Kingsbury getting fired. Who knows? Sean McVay might resign soon. There's some rumors of that uh, coming through from the some of the best sources in the NFL. And at the end of today's show, I will predict tonight's college football national championship game. It comes out of these two. 
the TCU Horned Frogs, the darlings, the Cinderella's of college football, and the defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs who will look for back-to-back titles. Uh, so yeah, uh, Chloe is not appreciative of this. Uh, it, it certainly appears uh, that is not the case. I don't. I, I, Chloe is in the comments. She doesn't like that. That's all right, Chloe. It's all right. And uh, Patrick Brown, what's up, Patrick? He says, kneecap sound, bite on deck. Make no mistake about it, Patrick. It is coming. I will get to those Detroit Lions because they deserve all the credit in the world for what they did last night and all season long. But you know i got to start the show today. The Green Bay Packers lost last night by a final score of 20-16 against the Detroit Lions. So... There's a lot of of things to discuss and to look at with this game. Uh, There's a lot of variables that played into it. There were turnovers. There were miscues by both teams. There were coaching decisions by both teams that were questionable. It was obviously Lambeau in January, freezing cold. And overall, it was a a, a night that, uh, I don't know, it it, it just... It, it got me to thinking, and it just makes me want to say, Kneecap. 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 A lot of kneecaps were bitten in Green Bay last night by the Detroit Lions. But it ultimately, the Packers collapse at the end. A lot of blame to go around. Fairly so. But it starts with one man and one man in particular. And that is Aaron Rodgers. So... I said I had the audacity to come on this show and dare question that the Packers' four-game winning streak to this point, not much of it had to do with Aaron Rodgers' play. I gave him props for his leadership in this streak. Very positive outlook, loose. They helped his teammates a lot. But in this four-game winning streak, which, by the way, was against the Bears, who have the number one pick. They can thank the Houston Texans for that. The Rams who won five games. The Vikings, who have a negative point differential despite being 12-4. and four. Uh, Oh, by the way, and the Dolphins sandwiched in there. Uh, and we know Miami got in the playoffs by the skin of their teeth. But Aaron Rodgers, in this winning streak, against the Bears, he had a QBR of 50. That's not bad, right down the middle, bad average. Against the Rams, he had a QBR of 37. Against the Minnesota Vikings, I'm sorry, against the Miami Dolphins, He had a QBR of 30. And against the Minnesota Vikings, in which the Packers scored 41 points, Aaron Rodgers had a QBR of 42. This winning streak had very little to do with the great Aaron Rodgers. He's more of a game manager type role. Like Tom Brady, we are seeing the decline with Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have the arm he used to, not as accurate, doesn't move quite as well in the pocket as we're accustomed to seeing him do so. But... When you look at it all in all, last night came down to him. Because I said on this show, and I uh, made a stupid mistake. It was a mistake I did not make last year, by the way. But I made it this year. Maybe because, dare I say, hey, it was still the regular season. I mean, it was technically a playoff game for Green Bay, but it goes in the books as a regular season game. Apparently, somebody didn't tell Aaron that. Aaron must have went into that game in Lambeau last night, assuming it was a playoff game. Because that's about how he played. Like Aaron tends to play. 
in playoff games, especially the biggest ones, NFC title games, etc. But when I looked at Aaron Rodgers' performance last night, how many breaks did that man get? How many breaks did that man get? Detroit, one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL, was held to 20 points. Okay? Aaron threw a terrible interception in the third quarter. It got called back due to penalty. There were decisions clock management-wise made by Dan Campbell that made you question whether or not he's capable of being an NFL head coach. Aaron Rodgers, for the record last night, got big plays in the receiving game from Christian Watson, got over 100 yards on the ground by his running backs led by Aaron Jones. And all in all, Matt LaFleur wasn't a huge reason the Packers lost, which tends to be the case in some of their biggest losses in the last four years since LaFleur took over. Not to mention he was at home against a dome team. He managed to put up 16 points in his last pass possibly ever at historic Lambeau Field was a pick. Aaron Rodgers last week did a little bit of a victory lap. Talked about everybody counted us out when we were 4-8. and eight, Said we need to tank or whatever. Well, look at us now. Not in yet. Last I checked, I didn't see Green Bay Packers clinch 7 seed going into week 18. Didn't see that headline. Maybe I missed it. I don't know. But this falls on him. Aaron Rodgers this season, the back-to-back MVP the last two years, a four-time MVP overall, did not have a 300-yard passing game this season. He has not had a 300-yard passing game since week 14 of last year. And consistently, in the biggest of moments, when you need the great Aaron Rodgers, one of the 10 best to ever do it, arguably the most talented we've ever seen do it, when you needed him to be at his very best, he wasn't. And he hasn't been the last three years. All of them at Lambeau Field. Fourth quarter against Tampa Bay. It's close. Tampa Bay gets out to an early early lead, but the GOAT, Tom Brady, unravels in the second half. Throws some bad interceptions. Uh, he, he seems uncomfortable. A little gun shy in the pocket, dare I say. Aaron's defense gets him three takeaways in the second half. They go into the fourth quarter in a one-score game at home in Lambeau Field as the number one seed with Aaron Rodgers as the league MVP. Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter against Tampa Bay threw four, 54 yards. No touchdowns. Packers lost because he was not able to convert in the red zone with an opportunity to tie the game. The next year, you're like, oh, well, it's because he ran to Tom Brady. You know, it's a fair excuse. I mean, heck, Patrick Mahomes lost a home game to Tom Brady in the playoffs. He's the best quarterback in the league. It happens to the best of them. It's Tom Brady, for crying out loud. Okay, that's fine. Well, he wins the league MVP again last year. Gets the number one seed again, just like the year prior. Gets a home game against Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49ers offense, not special teams total, the offense put up two field goals. The Niners did. So the Packers defense against Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Juwan Jennings, Elijah Mitchell running back, one of the best offensive lines of the league, 
The Packers shut that offense down to six points, got a red zone takeaway, everything. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers scored 13 points in that total in that game total and threw four 17 yards in the fourth quarter. And then last night, you go into the fourth quarter with the lead against a bad defense when your defense is balling out. Aaron Rodgers threw for 12 yards last night in the fourth quarter. 12 yards. And on third down and 10, with an opportunity to hit Robert Tunyon in the flat, who would have possibly been open for a first down, he tries an impossible shot down the field to Christian Watson, who was double teamed, and it got intercepted. And the Lions, due to some gutsy play calling by Dan Campbell, Blood the clock out. So, with all the drama surrounding the Packers in the last year, or I should say all the extra drama, because there's always drama every year with the Packers involving number 12. The ayahuasca, holding out to get the biggest contract in NFL history. Having rookie receivers come into your organization and not working out with them. Not building a rapport with them before the season begins demanding they keep Randall Cobb, which they do. Basically scaring Devontae Adams out of the organization because you talk about retirement every chance you get. Starting 3-1, and one, then getting into a dry spell where you go down to 4-8, and eight, say we're not done, which I love the attitude, by the way. You're not done. You weren't mathematically eliminated. To win four straight games and then to do a victory lap as if you've not only gotten the playoffs, but you won a playoff game. First of all, Aaron, you had yet to get in yet. And they put that performance last night against the Detroit Lions, who are one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Pass-wise, in the past defense, they're awful. Aaron Rodgers last night at Lambeau Field. 17 for 27, 205 yards, a touchdown, a pick, a QBR of 38, and a pass rating of 83. He was an average quarterback, which at this stage in his career... Are we sure that's not who he is? At this stage, not all time, Aaron Rodgers is going to go in the Hall of Fame one day, deservedly so. In my opinion, he's on. He's just outside of the top five or six quarterbacks to ever play the game. We've never seen anybody like Aaron Rodgers. But what separates him from the Bradys and the Montanas and the Mannings and the Marinos, those guys in the offseason put the time in and in season are the conscience and the heartbeat of their franchises. That has not and never will be Aaron Rodgers. We've got uh, quite a few comments in here. Let's see. Uh, Patrick Brown says, Detroit went 8-2 and two in the second half of the season. They got a br bright future ahead. Their first winning season since 2017. Not to mention, Detroit swept the Packers this year as well. They did, and Aaron played poorly in both. Uh <laughs> Grady Edwards says, you look like Cheesehead Ozzy Osbourne. May, you know what? May, may, maybe we'll use that nickname from uh, from now on. I, I appreciate that compliment, Grady. Uh, Grady says, Sharon. Sharon! <laughs> uh, Patrick Brown, it's time to show love for Jordan. That's, that's good there. Uh, Aaron tenure, Aaron's tenure is over in Green Bay. It's time to move on. Grady says, maybe, but I wouldn't be too quick to move on from Aaron. You don't know if Jordan's that guy. I personally run it back one more year with Rodgers, and I think 
uh, him and Green Bay have one more contending year left in them. But here's my thing about that, Grady. Here's the only thing. <sighs> when they were 4-8, and eight, they could have played Jordan. And I said on the show, check the tape, when they lost the Philadelphia Eagles to fall to 4-8, and eight, I said, this is great news for the Green Bay Packers. Rodgers is beat up. He's your best asset, obviously. He's Aaron Rodgers. He's, he's one of the best assets in the league. The contract isn't great, but overall, he's one of the best assets. See what Jordan Love's got. If he's good, great. We've got our quarterback for the future. We can trade Aaron and build around a rookie quarterback. I'm sorry, not a rookie quarterback, but a quarterback on a rookie deal who's not making a whole lot of money. We can build around him. If he's not good, we either run it back with Aaron next year or we trade both him and Jordan Love and draft a quarterback. Now, they have no idea what they're going to do. They're stuck. Packers screwed this one up, man. Uh, and Grady Edwards says, also book it. Josh McCown will be the Texans' next head coach. I will get into the Texans later the show, Grady, because uh, it seems like the Josh McCown thing has been on tap for quite some time. But, yes, Green Bay is out of playoff contention. For their sake, at least we don't get to, we don't get to see them getting destroyed by the San Francisco 49ers. That'll be the Seattle Seahawks. Congrats to the Seahawks for getting in the playoffs, by the way, but they're they're not beating San Francisco. And so for Green Bay, you're out. See y'all next year. See what you do. And get that garbage out of here. All right. Shifting to Detroit, I'll get to Dallas in just a second. There's a lot to discuss with Dallas, but to Detroit, because they deserve our uh, they they deserve to get their flowers too. Um, the Detroit Lions won the game yesterday. And as was it Grady or Patrick? I think it was Patrick point out in the comments. Yeah, it was Patrick who pointed out the Lions went eight and two down the stretch. They started one and six. Now, how many one and six teams, especially with organizations like Detroit that are not well run, would have sat back and said, nah, season's over. Uh, let's tank for a high draft pick, trade Jared Goff. Got some nice offensive pieces, good offensive line, and let's draft a quarterback and see if we can build around him. Not the Lions, and darn sure not Dan Campbell. This is a team that, over the past two and a half months, had us actually believing timeout. They could actually get in the playoffs, and if they get in, we don't want to face them. With that explosive offense and that improving defense, not a great defense by any stretch of the imagination whatsoever, but improving over the second half of the season. First half of the season, they were darn near last in pass uh, uh, pass defense. Over the second half of the season, they were around middle of the pack, 16-17. Still not great, but an improvement. But I did this on Twitter last night, but it's only right, only to make it official to do it on Carving It Up Live this evening. I was dead wrong about Dan Campbell. Dead wrong. When he was hired a year and a half ago, or was it two years ago? Two, yeah, it's 2023. Two years ago by the Detroit Lions. I said, this is a joke. A little gimmicky, you know, the kneecap thing, which I, you know, I, I, it's, it's all in, in good fun that I put that on there. But not a real X's and O's guy. But Dan Campbell has done something that most coaches cannot do. Most coaches, half the league, I don't think, half the league's coaches cannot do this. He has that team fighting their you-know-what's-off for 60 minutes. 
from the opening kickoff to the final whistle. So that clock hits triple zero, or if the game goes to overtime, whatever. Last play of the game. For 60 minutes, those Detroit Lions play as hard as any team in the NFL. And it's a little bit, it almost reminds me of uh, of the Houston Texans, I'm not the Houston Texans, the, uh, the New York Knicks a little bit, right, with Tom Thibodeau. Not a terribly talented team. They play great defense. They've got some nice players, right? They got Julius Randle and, and Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett. In Detroit, you've got Jared Goff, who I said on this show numerous times should have been a pro bowler. Um, Amonra St. Brown. you got Jamal Williams. You've got DeAndre Swift. You've got a tremendous top 10 offensive line in the league. You've got pieces. And to get the best, it, this is coaching. To get the best out of what you have is what Detroit did. And to have them to put themselves in position to be on the precipice of a playoff berth to win that game last night. And a lot of folks were saying, man, they screwed the Detroit Lions uh, putting him in the Sunday night game against Green Bay. I said, no, they did not. Like, you know, the NFLs want the Packers in the playoffs. I'm like, not necessarily because of who they're playing. Because obviously we knew if Seattle won, Detroit was out. If Seattle won the afternoon game, Detroit plays the night game, the Lions would have known going into kickoff, their season is over after tonight. They're not making the playoffs. But if there is any team, I'd say in the NFL, that you do not want to play when they have nothing to lose, it's the Detroit Lions. And it starts with their head coach. It starts with his ability to get his guys to buy into what he is selling. They play loose. Very, you know, seem like they're having fun playing the game. Offensively, they're as clever as any team in the league. That's coaching. Dan Campbell, in a horrible organization historically, an organization that has not won a playoff game in over three decades, has gotten this team to believe, hang on a minute, we're going places. And the Detroit Lions are going places. They've done an outstanding job the last two drafts. Jared Goff has only improved, because we, we were thinking, Jared Goff, he had a, a rough last year in Los Angeles, the Rams, that's why the Rams traded him to go get Matthew Stafford. Like, oh gosh, I, I don't, I don't know. Is this is this gonna work? It's been really good in Detroit. They put the proper pieces around him to go succeed. Give him a running game, give him an offensive line, give him receivers. And all of a sudden, Lions got hot down the stretch. Make no mistake about it. This team currently constructed, not to mention you got the draft and free agency coming up. Looking at the NFC right now, Brady's gonna be out of Tampa. Okay, you've got uh, teams there. Uh, Green Bay doesn't look like they're in the greatest position in the world. Minnesota, who knows? This team, it could absolutely get in the playoffs. And dare I say, win a game. When you look at how they finished the season. Now, do they leave some things to be desired situationally? Sure. Sure, That's that to me is the weakness of Dan Campbell. He's not a great coach situationally. But everywhere else... I don't know what more, what more you could ask for. He's been excellent. And so hats off to the Detroit Lions. Like that's, for Green Bay, if Green Bay let their guard down because they, they knew Detroit was done, big mistake, okay? Because that team, it don't matter if they're playing in the Super Bowl or if they're 0-16 playing the last game of the season. They're going to play hard. They're going to play hard. Not saying the, half the league doesn't, but I'd say half the league can say, 
their at least happily could say their coach does not inspire confidence uh, in their in their team the way that Dan Campbell does the Detroit Lions. So hats off. Uh, what a job he's done this year. And I was wrong on him. Listen, you got to give your coach time to build a culture. And he's done that. You know, I, 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 I've said in the show before, when I talk about young quarterbacks, you got to give them three years to develop. Unless they're Zach Wilson, they just absolutely suck and don't look like they even belong in the NFL the first two years. Then, yeah, you move on. But the majority of quarterbacks, first three years, let them develop. And if by year three you're not sure, you move on. I think the same should go to head coaches. Give them three years. If by year three you haven't seen a drastic improvement from where you were when you hired them, then you move on. Dan Campbell, three wins year one, nine wins in season in, in year two. I don't know. The, the the record obviously improved. They were one of the best offenses in the league. Their defense turned around. They run the football. They they can beat you in the pass game. And the unfortunate thing for Detroit is the reason they didn't get in the playoffs. There's a lot of reasons, but the game that you could point to if you're a Lions fan, like, dang it, if we hadn't lost to Seattle all the way back in what week was that like week six or something? It was back in October. They lost to the Seahawks 48 to 45. It's like, man, the offense, <laughs> offense did everything it could. Just the defense couldn't get stops. If they had won that game, if they had won that shootout against Seattle, they'd be in the playoffs. But nevertheless, hats off to the Detroit Lions uh, for a, a tremendous season, without a doubt. Given the expectations, hats off. Uh, let's see. Patrick Brown says, Dan Campbell's unorthodox methods work. The team buys into the concept and played their tails off. Hats off to Detroit. Absolutely. Uh, Grady says, got to run, Bryson. Go dogs. They're my rival, but they were my preseason pick, so I'm hoping they get the dub. Keep up the great work. Appreciate you, Grady. Hats off to you. Shout out to Grady Edwards. He's, he's a great, great friend of mine, one of the big supporters of this show. Uh, but yeah, I, I will definitely predict dogs, frogs. Didn't mean for that to rhyme. At the end of today's show. So uh, I gloat the first segment because if you remember, guys, I picked the Packers to go 9-8 and eight and miss the playoffs. Sue me, they went 8-9 and nine and missed the playoffs. So I get to gloat on that. Oh, but I have to eat crow in this next one. I have to eat crow in this next one. So Dak Prescott, you know, he's my guy. Uh, former Dallas Cowboys fan sitting in this chair, sitting in front of you right now, or uh, you can hear in your ears if you're listening to the podcast. Former Dallas Cowboys fan in large part because of the fact of how they screwed up the Dak Prescott contract situation two years ago when he went down with a career-threatening ankle injury. So I became a Dak fan uh, exclusively. Yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, and I don't think there's any shadow of a doubt about it, that was the worst game of Dak Prescott's NFL career. Matter of fact, I go so far as to say it was the worst of his football career. I haven't checked his high school stats or his Mississippi State stats, but of his NFL career. By the way, statistically, I can prove it. Completion percentage, 38%, lowest of his career. Passing yards, 128, bottom three of his career. Yards per attempt, 3.5, top three lowest of his career. Passer rating, 48, 45.8, lowest of his career. And, and not to mention that, listen, we can talk about the interceptions all we want. I think some of it has been blown out of proportion. Not that one yesterday, okay? You, you are not going to get even the slightest defense from me, or if really from anybody for that matter, because you'd be delusional to defend that interception thrown to Kendall Fuller. 
Okay. Second down, he throws the pass on an out to Noah Brown. Should have been a pick six by Kendall Fuller, but he dropped it. As they say, that's why he's playing defense. But the second time, he's telegraphing it the whole time, and he jumps it, takes it the distance. Touchdown, Washington. Of course, Dallas went on to lose the game 26-6. to So for Dak, because we can talk about the Cowboys all we want. Listen, we know they're an average team. I've been saying it all season. Through the highs and the lows, I've been saying the same thing. This is not a Super Bowl contender. They will be one and done in the first round. And I think uh, a week from today, I will be validated uh, in saying that. But for Dak, that's the question. Is, Is he regressing? Because that's kind of been a, a a staple of of sports talk radio or television or whatever on the internet. Any article you read, is Dak regressing? I've heard some say, well, this is just who he is. Okay, if Dak Prescott averaged uh, 128 yards a game, pass rating of 45, 3.5 yards a tenth, Dak Prescott wouldn't be in the NFL. Okay, if, if, if those were his averages... that Dak's not Nathan Peterman. Even for the Dak haters, the, the, man, the man can play. That's not him. That was a horrible game. Worst game of his career. But that's not what he gives you every given Sunday. I talked about Dak a week and a half ago when they beat Tennessee. Because Dak threw two picks. One was absolutely not his fault. Went through the hands of Peyton Hendershot. One was absolutely his fault. Threw it to Kevin Bynard. What's Dak's biggest issues? Because for the Cowboys and their fans and for Jerry Jones... They're like, hey, can we go compete for a Super Bowl? Now, I don't think so. However, if you want any chance of doing that, Dak has to be at his absolute best, of course. It is a weekend to see. We understand that. Uh, Minnesota, we don't buy into. The Giants are a great story. Dable's the coach of the year, in my view, but they're not going to go very far in the playoffs, even if they do beat the Vikings. Seahawks aren't going far. Uh, you know, We even have questions about Tampa Bay. We, we should have questions about Philly. Did you see the Eagles yesterday? Not great. The Niners are the only team I have full confidence in. I think they're going to win the NFC. But if Dallas wants to get on a great run, their quarterback has to be great. And so I put this together. And we're going to get the intense background music that we're going to use when we predict the national championship game. Uh, I think it's appropriately used for this. So let's get the background music starting right now. So... Not, not in Dak's career. Dak's been outstanding up until this season in regards to the, the turnovers and forcing balls. What are the five issues that Dak Prescott needs to correct going to the playoffs and moving forward? Let's start with number one. The first one, stop forcing balls into closed windows. Not tight windows. Dak Prescott leads the NFL in tight window throws. So that's not an issue. I want Dak to throw it in tight windows because every NFL quarterback has to throw it to tight windows, but not into closed windows. The interception to Noah Brown, throwing to Noah Brown when Kendall Fuller picked it off. There's nothing there. There's nothing good that's going to come from that play. The best case scenario is an incomplete pass, okay? Forcing balls in tight coverage to, to, to Dalton Schultz or to Michael Gallup or to T.Y. Hilton, that's not going to get it done. Okay, force a tight window, sure, not closed windows. When there's nothing there, no need to force it. You're better off, unless it's fourth down and the, and the game's on the line, obviously. Just take the sack, throw it out of bounds, uh, throw it in the dirt. Don't, don't force stuff that isn't there. Dak's never had an issue of that until this year. Is it because his receivers can't separate? Yeah, it's in large part. Is it he wants to almost... Prove to the world that, you know, 
I, I can make more out of what I have? Maybe. But there's no need to. There's no need to. This he's good enough quarterback to where he doesn't have to throw the ball into windows that simply are not there. So number one issue for Dak Prescott, stop throwing the ball into closed windows. Number two, throw to Noah Brown minimally. You see the graphic there. You see Noah Brown's uh, face right there. Sorry, not. Yeah, I know Noah Brown's catching strays right now, but I, I'm just saying. Throw, throw the ball to Noah Brown minimally. Noah Brown, this season in the National Football League, is bottom 10 in separation. Last I checked, he ranks 108 out of 118 receivers. He's not very good. Okay, I, I, you know, I, some people were telling me last night he's he's a he's a decent receiver, right? He, he can he, he can separate. He's established himself this season as a as a competent receiver. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. There's a reason he was drafted in 2016 or 17. I can't remember which. Five six years ago. There's a reason that it took him this long just to get into this role. He's in this role by necessity, by default. Not because he's good enough to be in it. It's because the Cowboys traded Amari Cooper. It's because they lost Cedric Wilson in free agency. It's because James Washington got hurt and never panned out. It's because T.Y. Hilton just arrived in Dallas and is trying to build a nice rapport with Dak Prescott and get the offense down. Noah Brown is there because he has to be there, not because he's good enough to be there. Lamb's the number one. There's no question he has separated himself. Obviously, he's the number one receiver on the team, but as a number one receiver in this league, got nothing bad to say about CeeDee Lamb. Michael Gallup leaves a lot to be desired, but he's still the clear number two on this team. Noah Brown's third. Bad things happen. Whether it be six against Jacksonville to end the game where he threw great, perfect. Hit him right in the chest pass, and it pops in the air, gets intercepted by Jenkins for the game-winning touchdown in overtime. Whether it's uh, forcing a ball yesterday, I'm not blaming this on Noah Brown. I'm just saying Dak throwing to Noah Brown is never a good combination. Gets picked off by Kendall Fuller. He's tight coverage. He's not a threat down the field. He's not gonna. He's not gonna burn you. Stop throwing the ball to Noah Brown if you're Dak Prescott. There's a reason that the Cowboys used him as a blocking receiver up until this season when they had to use him as a wide receiver. Number two for Dak Prescott, throw the ball to Noah Brown minimally. Number number three, feel free to check out a bad play calls if necessary. There's, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? We all know last year, the last play this season, quarterback draw with Dak. He takes off up the middle, runs further than he should have slides then he it's chaos after that bad call in order for that to have been executed perfectly the play would have had to take probably five seconds and taken the cowboys another eight seconds to get to the line of scrimmage and clock it and get one more play in the end zone it was was not a good play call it wasn't going to score a touchdown wasn't going to put them in a good position to score a touchdown given the time that was on the clock and you had no timeouts feel free to check out of it Dallas can run the football. They didn't yesterday, but overall, they've been a good running team, in particular with Tony Pollard and in the red zone with Ezekiel Elliott. If you're in position, you get a call that you don't like, get out of it. You have all the freedom in the world. You're a veteran quarterback. Get out of it. Okay? I know Kellen's your guy, and you have a great relationship with Mike McCarthy. Get out of the play. Okay, because there's sometimes, you see Kellen Moore, uh, I've never seen an offensive coordinator more obsessed with curl routes. If you watch the Dallas Cowboys tape, man is obsessed with curl routes. It's all curls. To to the right, to the left, 
right? Lamb, Schultz, and then the other side, you got Brown and Gallup. They love that. For some reason, it goes nowhere. Don't understand why the window's going to be tighter. Get out of the play, Dak. Check into a run. Check into a play where you can get the first down. Whatever you need to do. Check out a bad play calls if necessary uh, when they come because they will come given this coaching staff. Uh, number four. We have number four. Take what the defense gives him. Take what the defense gives him. Dak's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league in doing that over the course of his career. Up until this year, interceptions wasn't an issue for Dak. He threw all of four year. He had 13 year two. I've always said year two is the worst year of Dak's career by far. Sophomore slump did not play well. Year three, I think it was. I think he threw, what, 11 picks? It's not, it's not great, but it's not terrible. He pl- plus, he played 16 games that season as opposed to this year where he played 12. Picks was an issue in 2019. In the limited action he had in 2020, picks wasn't an issue. Picks wasn't an issue last year. He threw 10, but he threw 37 touchdowns. So the touchdown-interception ratio was almost 4-1. to one. So that wasn't a problem at all. It has been this year at times because he is forcing. It sort of goes back to my number one uh, issue with Dak this season. Check down to Pollard. Uh, you know, put CeeDee Lamb in position to succeed in the short game. We know CeeDee Lamb's one of the best receivers in the NFL after the catch. For a guy who's kind of got a slim frame, he can break tackles. He can make plays. Get the ball to CeeDee Lamb in the short game. Get it to Tony Pollard, who should be used more on the offense. Even Zeke. Okay, take what the defense gives you. That's number four for Dak Prescott. He never struggled up until this year. He needs to correct that moving forward. And finally, and I think most importantly, just tune out all the noise. Tune out all the noise that's coming in all around you. Dak's going to hear over the next week about he's terrible. The Cowboys should have never paid him. He's an average quarterback. The same jargon that he's heard ever since he stepped into the NFL and certainly in the last two and a half years. Just close it off. You're going to hear all the national radio and TV voices say anything. Shut it off. Okay, I know Dak Prescott's brother, Tad. Shout out to Tad Prescott. Very active on social media. There's nothing wrong with that. But just tell Tad, hey, I don't want to hear all that. I don't want to hear what's going on on ESPN or on Fox Sports, CBS Sports, Talk Radio. I don't want to hear that. Okay? And I because you can tell Dak's been listening to the noise because he's been uncharacteristically chippy with the media. Not like Aaron Rodgers chippy or Baker Mayfield. But chippy, right? A little, you know, a little bit of a rift between Dak Prescott and the media and when that wasn't the case before. Don't listen to the media. Tune it out. All right, if you got to turn off your phone, if you got to get off social media, hey, my man Clay Thompson did that. And look how it's turned out for him. He's been outstanding ever since. Shut off your phone, except for loved ones, of course, and teammates. Tune out the noise. Don't worry about what the outside world says. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They, they can't control what you can control. They can't control what's moving forward in Tampa Bay. So, let's go back over the list for Dak Prescott. Things he's got to improve on moving forward. Number one, stop forcing balls into closed windows. Number two, throw to Noah Brown minimally, which hopefully next year isn't an issue because Noah Brown won't be on the team. Number three, feel free to check out a bad play calls if necessary. Number four, take what the defense gives him. And number five, tune out all the noise. Because Dak's had issues with all five this season. And it's why... Listen, the personnel around him isn't great. We understand that. But blame goes on Dak. He is the quarterback. There's no question about it. He deserves blame. Correct those issues, and you'll be fine. Do I think you'll win against against Tampa Bay? Absolutely not. Listen, Dak played one of the best games of his career last year in Tampa Bay. I was there. I saw it. He was amazing. It didn't matter. 
Okay, because defense couldn't get stops. You're playing the greatest quarterback who ever lived, who has never lost in his career against the Dallas Cowboys. Just clean up the mistakes. Clean up the things that Dak can control. He can't control the personnel around him. Okay, but if there's a play call that he doesn't like, get out of it. Get out of it. There's never been a time in the NFL where that's been more, um, uh, I wouldn't say accepted, but more popular, if you will. Uh, Patrick, let me get a drink of water first. Ah, that felt good. Patrick Brown says, I've been saying the same thing about taking what the defense gives, Dak. Take the shorter gains versus trying to win the down uh, on a big throw. 100%. 100%. Because, again, this is not a team-constructed, like, like, it'd be different if Dallas had guys that necessarily weren't great route runners but could get past you, that were track stars, right, that could run past the defense. Dak had that a few years ago with Tavon Austin, I wish they'd used him more, Right? It's not one of those situations. You got guys who are more possession receivers. For the record, Tom Brady won a lot of Super Bowls with guys who weren't going to burn you. He won a lot of Super Bowls with guys that weren't the greatest route runners. Just get them the ball in space. Let them go make plays. But most importantly for Dak, do not listen to the outside noise. Get off Twitter. Get off Instagram. Shut down social media. Okay, it's toxic. Not just for Dak. It's toxic for anybody. But shut it down. It's, if, if it's not just anything that's not going to help you in the playoffs, ignore it. Don't, don't even worry about what people are saying. Uh, so, yeah, it's I, I'm looking out for my guy, Dak Prescott, because, look, I got I, I to gotta be honest. It's the worst game he's ever played. I get, let, me, let me go over the stats one more time because, again, he was, he, he was awful. Uh, uh, do we have it here? Okay, here it is. Against the Washington Commanders. Crap, where is it? There it is. 14 for 37, which is a 37% completion. A buck 28, that's terrible. 3.5 yards per completion, that's not good at all. Uh, a touchdown at the end of the first half, a terrible interception. A QBR of 14 on 0 to 100 and a pass rating of 46. It's not good. It's got to be better. He's better than that. He's got to play better than that. And the Cowboys want any shot at beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, I think Dak can play his A-plus game and they still not win. I truly believe that because, heck, I saw it last year. I saw it last year. Dak played his A-plus a game. It's one of the five best games Dak Prescott's ever played. They still lost. But he can't be the reason you lose. He wasn't the reason they lost yesterday, but he was a big reason. So Dak's got to be better. There's no question about that. Um, listen, I've seen him ball out this year with the same personnel. Simple as that. I've, I, see him, I saw him torch the best pass defense in the NFL in the Philadelphia Eagles. I saw him dominate the Minnesota Vikings who had just given Josh Allen all kinds of problems the week before. Okay, I saw him torch the Giants defense, which is really good, led by Wink Martindale. I saw him, uh, you know, do what he did in the fourth quarter, albeit against the Annapolis Colts who were you know, terrible. So you have that aspect of it. I saw him torch a great Jacksonville defense. I saw him, you know, torch the Bears defense when they still had their guys before they traded everybody. So I, we know he's capable of doing this. Just got to clean up the little things. Got to be better in the things that have never been an issue for Dak, but that have been an issue this year. Got to clean these up. Let's see. Patrick Brown. Dak needs to take a page out of LeBron's book and shut down social media during the season. Absolutely. That 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 is, you know, LeBron called it zero dark 30. Um or he dubbed it that because uh, 2011, LeBron 
led the Heat to the finals. Obviously, that was his first year in Miami. He got all kinds of pushback for the decision. Went to Miami, got to the finals, had a 2-1 lead. And similar to what Aaron Rodgers did this week, did a little bit of a victory lap. I think I read he had written all of uh, the names that had criticized him for the move and whatnot. And he played the worst three-game stretch of his NBA career in games four, five, and six against Dallas. They lost the series. Ever since then, up until 2020, I think, ever since then, every single playoff run, shut down social media. Just don't, don't even get on there. Delete the apps, whatever. Your only exchanges with the media need to be in press conferences. That's it. Don't, don't, don't listen to social media. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Patrick, and that was my number five uh, thing on here. Here it is. Yeah, here we go. Tune out all the noise. Don't matter what they say. Don't matter what the narrative is. You go be Dak Prescott. Be the best Dak Prescott you can be. I believe in you, man. I believe in you. I have since day one. Go do your thing against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next Monday night. Patrick Brown says, but that'll be difficult because... We all know Jerry Jones is always in front of a mic. Dak, Dak should dub it zero Dak 30. Oh, I like that, Patrick. That is awesome. Zero Dak 30. The more he's focused on football, the better he can produce. Gosh, I'm so going to use that in the show, and I'm so going to give you the credit for that, Patrick. Zero Dak 30. Heck yeah, I love that. That is amazing. If I knew Dak, I'd send him that in a text. Okay, enough Aaron Rodgers talk, enough Dak Prescott talk. Let's talk. About a guy who has had a really good last two and a half months, and that is Trevor Lawrence. Helping the Jacksonville Jaguars get to the playoffs for the first time since 2017. And it just goes to show you, ma'am, what a generational, generational talent, like a like once every 15-year type of player can do for even the worst franchises, which Jacksonville historically has been just that. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 2020 worst year. I'm sorry. 2020 worst record in football. Got the number one pick. They actually selected Trevor Lawrence with that number one pick. 2021 last year. Worst record. Got the number one pick again. 2022, nine wins in the playoffs as the AFC South champ. Now listen, the AFC South is a joke division. We understand that. It's, it's a terrible division. Tennessee was second at 7 and 10. But for Jacksonville, and I said this, I had them as a six-win team, but I did say that the majority of their 11 losses would be down to the wire, would be very close. What happened with Jacksonville the first half of this year? Outside of the loss at Arrowhead against Kansas City, which was only a nine-point loss, you know, they didn't get the doors blown off them. They, they were very competitive. In most of their games, they barely lost to Washington, right? They lost close games against the Colts when they still have Matt Ryan and Frank Wright, right? And Jonathan Taylor, for that matter. Okay, like there there were situations in games, late in games, against Houston earlier that season when they lost to the Texans. Little things to correct that they, they just can't get over the hump. But I said when they hired Doug Peterson, I said they hired the perfect coach for Trevor Lawrence. Because Doug Peterson, he doesn't get enough credit for this. The guy is the quarterback whisperer. He's almost this generation's Bruce Arians. 
Remember Bruce Arians had all of these great quarterbacks who had all the excuse me, the success under him. Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, um, Carson Palmer, Andrew Luck. Obviously, Tom Brady helped helped uh, you know he helped Tom uh, Tom Brady helped him win a Super Bowl two years ago in 2020. Like that's that's Bruce Arians is the quarterback whisper. Can we argue Doug Peterson is the same? Carson went to the best year of his career with Doug Peterson. Nick Foles won the Super Bowl with Doug Peterson. Nick Foles won another playoff game with Doug Peterson. Okay. And now Trevor Lawrence, coming off of what was a horrendous rookie season. Trevor Lawrence was awful. But in his defense, A, he was a rookie. So let's be fair, the kid was a rookie. B, he had Urban Meyer. He had no offensive line. Travis Etienne got hurt before the season even started. The defense was terrible. Giving up like 40, 50 points a game some Sundays. But when you have that guy at quarterback, when you have a guy 6'6", what are we giving him, 220, 230, monster arm, accurate, moves well, it is, is very steady, almost a little Joe Burrow-esque, right? Very calm, cool, collected, has the belief of that entire locker room. Look, Trevor Lawrence is not a rah-rah guy. He's not a Patrick Mahomes or a Tom Brady in that regard. He's a, he's a Joe Burrow type of leader. Very chill, very calm, not going to... You know, not going to necessarily raise his voice a whole lot. There are different ways to lead, and that's one of them. And what he did with the Jacksonville Jaguars sitting there with a was a three and seven to get them into the postseason as the AFC South champ to now host a game against the Chargers, who are all of a sudden inexplicably, by the way, do their head coach Brandon Staley beat up. The Jags are actually ahead of schedule. The Jags weren't supposed to make the playoffs this year. Tennessee was the number one seed a year ago. Brought most everybody back outside A.J. Brown. The Colts got Matt Ryan, and they had Frank Reich at head coach. They almost played the playoffs last year. Now, Houston's a dumpster fire. We get that. We knew Jacksonville would be more competitive. They weren't supposed to be in this position. But when you have Trevor Lawrence taking the huge leap that he took this season, when you add a legitimate NFL head coach, and Doug Peterson, who's one of the better offensive minds in the league from the Andy Reid coaching tree, by the way. When you make the free agent moves that they made, getting Christian Kirk and company, you see the results. They're in the playoffs. Now, Trevor Lawrence didn't play all that well against the Tennessee Titans on, on Saturday night. What, he had 20 for 32, 212, a touchdown, a QBR 43, passing of 92. But Trevor missed, and I tweeted about it during that game, Trevor missed some layups. Like, he missed some throws that we are accustomed to seeing him making, both at Clemson, heck, back in high school, then at Clemson, and then now at the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're used to seeing Trevor make some of the throws that he missed on Saturday night. But in fairness, this is a Mike Vrabel defense, Okay. This is a team, and I, everybody's talking about, oh, Jacksonville's going to run away with this one. I'm like, no, they are not. I get Tennessee's on their third-string quarterback, my man Josh Dobbs, who hats off to Space Dobbs. He did all he could. I know they are very limited at wide receiver, and their defense has all kinds of starters down. But Mike Vrabel's the same coach who went to Arrowhead Stadium this season with Malik Willis throwing for like 55 yards in the whole game. Did not get a first down the second half, yet the game went to overtime. Like, that's that's Mike Vrabel. So this was going to be a battle. Okay, Jags minus six. This is why I've sucked on my segment uh, this year uh, 
I've sucked on, on my segment. Who I betting, man? But I hit it out of the park on this one. Jags plus, I'm sorry, Titans plus six. That was easy. This was going to be a close game. So maybe Trevor got the bad game out of his system. You know, certainly the Chargers are, again, like I said, beat up. Now Joey Bosa's dealing with injuries. You've got injuries to the secondary. And now, Jack, what, what do the Jags have to lose this week? There's no pressure on the Jags. If they lose, we're like, great season. You won nine wins. You got nine wins. You won the division, got to the playoffs after being the worst team in the league last year. It's kind of like Detroit. Like, they took a huge jump. For the Chargers, oh, it's a different story. They're one of the most talented rosters in the league. Their head coach, Brandon Staley's in the hot seat. Justin Herbert's never played a playoff game just like Trevor Lawrence, but he's in year three. Trevor Lawrence is in year two. There's pressure on the Chargers. There's no pressure on Jacksonville. So they'll be loose. Trevor will got, have gotten his bad game out of him. Jacksonville should be, feel good about going in their game. I think they, okay, I'm looking at it right now. Saturday night, which is when their playoff game is, they're a one-point underdog against the Chargers. That feels about right. Um, I could see that line possibly moving in Jacksonville's favor as the week goes on. But, uh, yeah, there you go. I'll see, see, Barry, see, you got to come in with the negative energy. You, you got to, why, why, why is Barry going to be so negative? He says, Dak will play poorly in Tampa. You, you don't know that? You, you don't know that? I don't know that. Nobody knows that. You, you don't know Dak's going Last time he went to Tampa, uh, torched the Buccaneers. The same Buccaneers who held Patrick Mahomes to, was it nine points? I think it was nine points. Okay, and Dak put 29 on them. So let's just, you know, let's keep in perspective. Dak has historically been great against the Tampa Bay Bucs. Uh, Patrick Brown says, Tennessee trading A.J. Brown was the dumbest mistake ever. No consistency. The quarterback is too reliant on Derrick Henry. Defense did all they could, but the offense became the biggest issue. 100%. Uh, when you have a top 10 receiver in the NFL, I don't think you should worry too much about paying him because isn't, I've always said this, when, when organizations are so just like, oh my gosh, we, we can't pay him. Like, oh, he's asking too much. I'm like, time out. Isn't the goal to draft a guy, hope he pans out, and keep him? That's kind of the goal, right? Like when you draft somebody, you hope that they're going to be a part of your long-term future into possibly one day, maybe winning a championship. Listen, I think Traylon Burks is going to be a good player. I really do. I loved him at Arkansas. I think Traylon Burks is going to be a good player. But he was never going to fill the shoes of AJ Brown. It's too much. To, that's too much to ask of a rookie. That's that's not that's not fair. That's not fair to him. Patrick says Tennessee should keep Josh Dobbs as a temporary fix, but they need to develop Malik Willis. They need to get a wide receiver in this upcoming draft. Absolutely. And the good news is this is a last year was a defense loaded draft. This year is a quarterback and wide receiver loaded draft. Okay, my Vols have. Three in that department. We got a quarterback, albeit he's coming off a torn ACL, so that could hurt his draft stock, him and Hooker. But we've got two receivers I think are going to pan out in the NFL, Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman. Uh, you've got... Uh... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, gosh. Uh, um, 
Oh, Kentucky quarterback's name. Will Levis in this year's draft. Um, there's plenty of quarterbacks and wide receivers uh, in, in, in the upcoming draft that Tennessee could uh, could go after. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if they go after a guy like Tom Brady or go after Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson. Hey, Lamar Jackson and Derek Henry in the backfield? Oh, my goodness. Now, that would be fun. Uh, that 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 would be must-see TV. Because Tennessee, I've been asked before by people, they're like, well, wait, Bryson, you live in Tennessee. Why aren't you a Titans fan? And I, I've always given them the same answer. They're boring to watch. They're not that fun to watch. They win most of the time. I think they're a well-run franchise. But doggone it, they're boring. <laughs> That's Part of the reason is because they're very limited at quarterback. Uh, whether it be Tannehill, whether it be Josh Dobbs, whether it be Malik Willis. Uh, Malik Willis is a complete project. He, he's got a long way to go. Patrick Brown says, which led to Tennessee's firing of their GM after their blowout loss to Philly. Yes, that was that was one of the most timely firings I've ever seen in my life because the GM for the Titans during the draft, on draft night, traded A.J. Brown to Philadelphia. And after A.J. Brown goes for, I think it was two touchdowns, three touchdowns, something like that against the Titans, they fired their GM the next day. It's like, you traded this guy and he just comes back to torch us. Like, why, why would you do that? But, uh, and I'm reading the Tennessee is, is, a, um, is interviewing some head coach candidates. So we'll see what, what turns out with that. I'm sorry, GM candidates. My bad. GM candidates. My Vrabel's an outstanding coach. Okay. So this is often known. I think they call it, I think they call it Black Monday. Isn't that what we call it? Like, I'm pretty sure that's what they call it in the NFL, Black Monday, because a lot of coaches get fired today. Now, three head coaches got fired during the season. Matt Rule in Carolina, uh, uh, Frank Reich in Indianapolis, and Nathaniel Hackett in Denver. Well, two head coaches got fired in the past 24 hours. You had Lovey Smith last night, which I'll get into in about five minutes, and you had um, Cliff Kingsbury about three, four hours ago. And by the way, there's rumors that Sean McVay is kind of burnt out on coaching. So he could step down, and then the Rams will be looking for a new head coach. Uh, so let me start with Cliff Kingsbury of the Cardinals. So when they made the move, this was before carving it up was, was a thing. Carving it up started in the middle of Cliff Kingsbury's first year. But when they made the move to Cliff, make to hire Cliff Kingsbury, I was like, I, I don't get it. Well, why? I can understand. Listen, most college coaches don't pan out in the NFL. I'm going to give you a, a, a stat for that later in the in this segment. Most college coaches don't pan out. But most of the time, most of the time, the college coaches that do get NFL jobs are the very successful ones. You've got your Steve Spurriers, your Lane Kiffins, your Urban Myers of the world, Nick Saban. Cliff Kingsbury wasn't even a good college coach. He was 35 and 40 at Texas Tech. Cliff Kingsbury, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, had Patrick Mahomes in college. And they struggled to make bowl games. Like, is it Really? So I'm going to expect him. He couldn't get college kids to buy into his 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 system. You're telling me he's going to get grown men to buy into his system? It was never going to work. Cardinals won, I think, four or five games in 2019. First year with Kyler Murray, obviously. 2020, they got hot, but then collapsed down the stretch. You're going to see a trend with this. Collapsed down the stretch, missed the playoffs. Last year, they started, I think it was 8-0. And then collapsed down the stretch and got absolutely destroyed against the Los Angeles Rams in the playoff game. And then this year, they went 4-13. and And they fired Cliff Kingsbury, despite signing him to a long-term extension that would have taken him to the 2027 season. So Cliff Kingsbury's out. So my reaction to is this. 
They waited too long because they never should have hired him to begin with. They shouldn't have. What qualifications did Cliff Kingsbury? He wasn't a good college coach. They hadn't, he hadn't, uh, to my knowledge, been an NFL offensive coordinator. He, he couldn't develop Patrick Mahomes. You're telling me he's going to develop Kyler Murray? This was never going to work. And so for Cliff Kingsbury, no, this, this, this firing does not surprise me the slightest. By the way, for Arizona, Steve Keim, the GM, he stepped down. So the Cardinals, man, there, there's not that many organizations in the NFL that are in a worse spot than the Arizona Cardinals are. There's not. Their quarterback, who's a diva and overpaid, is hurt. Might probably won't even be ready for next season physically. Their head coach just got fired, and their GM just stepped down. So, like, the three most important components to building a great NFL team are all in jeopardy. Like, they're stuck. I wouldn't be shocked, ladies and gentlemen, if DeAndre Hopkins asks out of Arizona. He'd have every, every right to. I, listen, man, I want to see DeAndre Hopkins in a functional organization. He had Houston, which I'm about to get into, and Arizona. Yes, he got great quarterback play in Houston from Deshaun Watson uh, for the time being, at least, and in Arizona with Kyla Murray for the time being. But this th- this is a disaster. Arizona is in a, is in some serious trouble. I said before the season that they wouldn't make the playoffs. I did not think it would be this bad. The defense is in shambles now. JJ Watt is retiring. By the way, hats off to JJ Watt. An amazing career. No question is going to be uh, in Canton one day without a shadow of a doubt. But their defense is is beat up and in shambles. They haven't drafted particularly well. Their quarterback is not only hurt, but one of the most overpaid players in football. By the way, there was a stat. The Cardinals have been around for around a century, about 100 years. Not one coach has lasted more than six seasons. Now compare that to, to me, the gold standard organization in football and one of the gold standard organizations in all sports, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Since 1969, they've had three coaches. Three. Cardinals in their 100-year history, not one coach has lasted more than six years. There's instability. There's no, talk about Dan Campbell at the beginning of the show. There's no, uh, you don't give the coach breathing room to establish a culture. It's, it, it's, it's, it's an absolute train wreck. And so, but for Cliff Kingsbury, so the other bigger picture with this is don't hire uh, don't hire college coaches. Don't hire don't hire college coaches. It doesn't work. It, college coaches outside of Jimmy Johnson do not work in the NFL. Okay, so let's listen to this: college coaches that have gone to the NFL since 2000. Here's how they've done. Butch Davis, 24 and 35. Steve Spurrier, 12 and 20. Nick Saban, 15 and 17. Bobby Petrino, 3 and 10. Jim Harbaugh succeeded. He was 44 and 19 and may get an NFL job this cycle. Greg Schiano, 11 and 21. Doug Marone, 15 and 17. Chip Kelly, 26 and 21. Bill O'Brien, 52 and 48. Cliff Kingsbury, now who just got fired, 28, 37 and 1. Matt Rule, 11 and 27. Urban Meyer, 2 and 11. So outside of Jim Harbaugh, who's a great NFL coach, Chip Kelly, eh, not not great. Got to the playoffs once, but it was never really all that effective. You've got, obviously, Bill O'Brien there, who's a terrible offensive coordinator in Alabama and wasn't all that great in Houston. Aside from those guys, it is a... Those, Those guys don't work in the NFL. Like... 
at some point, unless your name is Jim Harbaugh, we got to stop hiring college coaches to coach in the NFL. It doesn't work. It's a different dynamic. It's, it, it, it's a different sport. It's a different sport. You have recruiting in college. You've got, obviously, academic uh, situations in terms of you know how long players can practice. Uh, it, it's, I mean, listen, college coaching, man, it is a year-round job. At least the NFL, you could get, you could take a couple weeks off, go with your wife to uh, to Bora Bora and, and chill, get some time off to you know clear your mind a little bit. It's not the case in college. It, it is a 365-day job. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is. And so it's, it, it doesn't work. Stop hiring college coaches to be in the NFL. Uh, Patrick Brown says Cliff Kingsbury will be an offensive coordinator. He will be the first former head coach to join his staff before anybody else. That very well could be the case. Uh, whoever takes the Arizona job, you got to develop Kyler 100%. Absolutely. And, you know, get him out of the bad habits that he's been in since his rookie year. You know, oftentimes, and you see this sometimes with young quarterbacks, there's very few exceptions to this rule. I think Herbert, Trevor Lawrence are, are exceptions. But when you're a quarterback coming out of college into the NFL, you're a high draft pick. Oftentimes, you whatever your greatest strength is, arm strength, accuracy, mobility, you kind of want to show it off to the rest of the world on every play. Andrew Luck, and I love it. I love Andrew Luck, but he he was it drove me crazy when he used to do this. Andrew Luck wanted every play to be the greatest play ever. It's like it doesn't have to be though. You can take the the five yard hitch. So there's nothing wrong with that. And Kyler Murray oftentimes feels like he improvises more than he actually runs the play. Right? He's running around. He wants to throw off his back foot. And it works sometimes. Think about the Hail Mary throw to DeAndre Hopkins two years ago against Buffalo. Worked at that one. But in games like against Seattle in the past or the Patriots with Bill Belichick, one of the greatest defensive coaches ever, it doesn't work. Like it's it's easy to game plan for. Many of quarterbacks have tried it, and many have failed. Patrick says, Arizona needs to hold everybody accountable, and it starts with the front office. Kyler needs to really grow up and be the quarterback they're paying him to be. Absolutely. And again, listen, I got no issue with Kyler Murray, you know, gaming, playing Call of Duty, whatever whatever he wants to do. Whatever he wants to do. It's, it's, it's his free time. But it gave you a good indication of where the organization's at with him and vice versa when they famously put that you know, put that thing in his contract about having to, uh, you know, having to study film for a certain amount of time at home. It's like, man, this guy really does not watch film. Or this guy really is not that is not that dedicated as you need to be to be a true franchise quarterback in the league. And so they, they, they got to improve in all those situations. To Houston now. Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith was fired. After a 3-13 and one season with the Houston Texans. And obviously there's a lot of debate about because the Texans won yesterday over the Colts. Had they lost, they would have had the number one pick. Um, 
you know, I've talked to some Chicago Bears fans the last 24 hours. They're calling him a Chicago legend because obviously Lovey Smith helped the Bears get to the Super Bowl in the 2006 season before they lost to Peyton Manning's Colts. Um, he was a great coach in Chicago and by through this win, got the Bears the number one pick. So Bears fans are very I love Lovey Smith today. Oh boy. But <laughs> what happened last night? And they couldn't even give Lovey Smith the dignity of waiting till today if they were even going to fire him. Is once again an example of the biggest problem in the NFL. Not only do we not hire black coaches, we barely give them a chance. David Culley last year with the Houston Texans. One of the worst rosters in the NFL. One of the most dysfunctional organizations in the NFL, considering the fact at that time Deshaun Watson was still on the roster. So not only did Deshaun Watson want out, but you had all of the sexual assault allegations around him. And you're figuring out how in God's name do we move this guy? How do we get him out of the building? Not to mention, you had David Culley in year one, who's been in the NFL a long time. Was Dave, listen, was David Culley uh, an NFL head coaching candidate? No. Then don't hire him. Don't hire him. Because then you make him look bad. Then you hurt future black coaches down the road. Lovey Smith's a different story. Lovey Smith's been a head coach in the NFL. Like I said, he led the Chicago Bears to Super Bowl 40, gosh, what was it, 41? To, I think, yeah, Super Bowl 41, I think it was, against the Indianapolis Colts. Okay? He, he was in Tampa for a little while. I think he coached at Illinois, if I'm not mistaken, in college, and then went to the NFL with the Houston Texans. Why are you trying to humiliate this guy? Don't even give him a shot to build the culture. Don't even give him a shot. A coach that at the end of beginning of today's show, I admitted I was wrong on. That's Dave, uh, Dan Campbell. He won three games last year. Situationally, the Lions sucked. They gave him another opportunity. By the way, I have no issue with that. Give the coach time. Give, give him an opportunity, especially when he's, when he's with a bad team. Give him an opportunity to build the team in his image and try and change the culture. Give him an opportunity to do so. Yeah, Houston, Houston didn't give David Culley that. They didn't give Lovey Smith that. And it's once again, how many black coaches do we have in the NFL? Is it is it is it one? If I'm not mistaken, I think Mike Tomlin is the only black coach in the NFL left. Because he was the only one left when Brian Flores was fired. And then Lovey Smith got hired by Houston. Let me, let me give a quick look around the rest of the NFL because I'm 99% sure there's minority head coaches. Ron Rivera, I think Mike McDaniel's a minority head coach. But let's see, I'm looking down the list. Okay, Robert Sala's a minority head coach. I'm looking here. Yep. Yeah, Lovey Smith's the only other, was the only other black coach in the NFL outside of Mike Tomlin. And I know people are going to get upset with me when I say this. I know people say, well, Bryce, it's not just, it's, you know, it's, you know, not everything is necessarily uh, people being racist and whatnot. No, it's not always that. But when you see this year after year after year for two decades since the Rooney Rule was instituted, there's got to be something to it. 
the good old boys club, the owners that don't even give these guys a shot. Think about a guy. I was just talking about Cliff Kingsbury a second ago. Think about Steve Wilkes, right? He was the Cardinals head coach in 2018. He got Josh Rosen at quarterback. And the Cardinals were, of course, awful. Won three games. And they fired Steve Wilkes. Knowing they had the number one pick and were going to take Kyler Murray, who's certainly a, a far superior talent, to Josh Rosen. In replacement of Steve Wilkes, they took Cliff Kingsbury. They gave him four years. With Kyler Murray. With Josh Rosen, they gave Steve Wilkes one year. Look at Steve Wilkes in Carolina. Look at the job that he did. With a quarterback carousel. Baker Mayfield, P.J. Walker, Sam Darnold. Wilkes had the Panthers in position to make the playoffs this year. And they came pretty darn close had they beaten Tampa. And they were they had an 11-point lead in the fourth quarter against Tampa. I'm sorry, Todd Bowles. Uh, Todd Bowles is also... Uh, in, in the uh, is, is also a black coach left in the NFL. I forgot about Todd Bowles. Uh, my, my apologies. Mike Tomlin, Todd Bowles, last black coach is left in the NFL in a league that is over 65% black. Two black coaches. Mike Tomlin, Todd Bowles. At some point, we've got to acknowledge the issue here. I don't think the NFL can really do much of anything about this. Goodell can't make teams hire coaches. That's not his call. He can incentivize them to, but we know that they're NFL teams aren't going to worry about losing a fourth round pick. They're not. The issue is the good old boys club, the owners. That's the problem in this whole problem, this whole issue in the NFL. Not even giving guys opportunities. By the way, there's plenty of guys out there who should get an opportunity. To me, if D'Amico Ryans is in a head coach next year, something's wrong. D'Amico Ryans is a tremendous defensive coordinator with the San Francisco 49ers. The same can be said about Raheem Morris of the LA Rams. Think about all the defensive starters the Rams lost this season, and we're still a productive defense. Byron Leftwich possibly could get a job in the future. But what's going to happen? There are five jobs open, probably about to be six because Sean McVay may step down. So there could be six jobs available. You're going to hear the, hear the same names that we always hear when the hiring process comes around for the Rooney Rule. Marvin Lewis, Eric Bieniemy, uh, Jim Caldwell. At times you heard Lovey Smith be brought up in these discussions up until he got the Houston job. Houston screwed over two black coaches despite knowing, knowing they had one of the two or three worst rosters in the, in the NFL. My question is, what could they have possibly expected? What were they thinking that their team was going to be this season? That's my question. It's the biggest problem in the NFL. The cause of it, we know, the owners, not even giving guys opportunities. Heck, there are teams. The New York Giants, ladies and gentlemen, have been around for nine decades. Coming, I think next year, if I'm not mistaken, I think next year uh, or the year after will be the Giants' 100-year anniversary. Never had a black coach. The Dallas Cowboys have been around over 
60 years. They have never had a black coach. Plenty of organizations out there. Not everybody does business like Pittsburgh, unfortunately. To me, like I said, the Pittsburgh Steelers are Steelers on the model of how to do business in the NFL in every way, shape, and form. And that also goes for their hiring processes. Obviously, I'm not saying just ignore white candidates. Obviously. But would it kill you to give your their black counterparts a shot and not just to fill the quota? Not just to... to uh, to fulfill the Rooney rule. Folks, two years ago, no, three years ago, when Jason Garrett was fired by the Dallas Cowboys, the Cowboys interviewed two men to be their next head coach. The first one was Marvin Lewis, formerly of the Cincinnati Bengals. The interview was over the phone. The Jones family did not even bring him in for a visit. They knew he was never getting the job. The other guy they interviewed was Mike McCarthy. You know what their interview process was with Mike McCarthy? They had him over for nachos, drank some beer, talked ball, slept over. That was their interview with Mike McCarthy. But they could not give Marvin Lewis so much as an in-person interview. You saw what happened with the Brian Flores situation last year. Remember that? The, the text with Belichick. Remember Belichick, uh, Brian Dable was on Belichick's coaching staff and Brian Flores was on Bill Belichick's coaching staff in the past. And Brian Dable coaches, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, the, 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 there's a miscommunication. Uh, Belichick says that they're going to hire you. He tells this to, to uh, Brian Flores. He says, hey, the Giants are going to hire you. They're an ex-head coach. And Flores is like, really? They haven't even interviewed me yet. And then Belichick's like, oh, crap. No, this was this was Brian Dable. To their credit, and I said at the time, look, I think I thought Brian Dable was a great hire. I, I do. And he's obviously done a remarkable job. I, I've got no animosity towards Brian Dable. He he deserved the job. He, he, you know. But they made their decision before even giving Brian Flores a shot. It's the biggest problem in the NFL. And the unfortunate thing is, outside of ownership changes, I have no clue how this is going to be corrected. As we sit here today, January 9th, 2023, there are two black coaches in the NFL. Mike Tomlin and Todd Bowles. That's it. Let's see. Patrick Brown. Pa black coaches aren't given the benefit of the doubt. Number one, losing season gets you fired. White coaches are given more of a leash to keep their job. Not to mention, the first coach they'll interview is Marvin Lewis. Just check the box and premeditate their decision beforehand. And talking about the Cowboys situation, it was the slumber party when Dallas hired Mike McCarthy. It was pre-planned ahead of time. Sadly, that would be a violation, but we all know this works. Not to mention, Mike McCarthy in his interview lied. He lied to the Dallas Cowboys. He told Jerry Jones and the Cowboys brass, hey, you know, this year off after he was fired by the Packers in 2018, he did not coach in 2019. He said, hey, you know, this last year I've been deep diving in analytics and I watched every single play of the Dallas Cowboys 2019 season. I know how to fix it. And in his introductory press conference, when he was asked about it, this was his response. You said you analyzed every play or watched every play of the entire 2019 season. 
What is it that you learned from that experience that you think will benefit you most here? Well, I mean, I, I need to confess. I mean, I told Jerry I watched every play of the 2019 season, but I wanted the job. So, uh, I, 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 have, I, I haven't watched every play of the season, but it, it was just, uh, I mean, you do what you got to do, right? So he can have nachos, drink beer, and lie. But Marvin Lewis can't give, even get the dignity of an in-person interview. Welcome to the NFL's hiring process. So, we'll see what happens. We'll see uh, which head coaches are interviewed to check the box over the next month. It pisses me off. It really, really, really pisses me off every single season. NBA don't have this problem, I'll tell you that much. Patrick Brown, one of the worst coach press conferences ever. Stephen Jones's laugh says it all. Indeed it does. You know Stephen Jones's, you know, he's laughing right there. He's like, oh, what the, you know what did we just do? By the way, not to mention, if the Cowboys lose on Monday, I, and I, by the way, I've defended Mike McCarthy a lot this season for the record. I've, I've said, listen, Mike McCarthy lost his starting quarterback for five games and went four and one. Okay, like, the, and there wasn't a whole lot of games this year where I'm like, Mike McCarthy lost this game. There was plenty of issues in 2021, or plenty of games where I'm like, yeah, Mike McCarthy cost him there, or they won in spite of Mike McCarthy. Wasn't a whole lot of instances like that this year. But after how yesterday went, losing 26 to 6 to Sam Howell, and I like Sam Howell in college at North Carolina, but he is a rookie, and he was the third stringer for a reason behind Wentz and Heineke. Losing to Sam Howell and a bunch of backups in Washington, if they turn around next week and, and and stink up the joint against Tampa Bay like they stunk up the joint against the Niners last year, we may be talking about that sixth head coaching spot opening, not necessarily with the Rams, but with the Cowboys. There's going to be a lot of open spots next year. There's going to be a lot of rookie coaches in 2023, without a shadow of a doubt. Before we predict tonight's national title game between Georgia and TCU, I'm going to give it a little quick runaround or run through, rather, of some of the games in the NFL this weekend. Uh, I talked about Jags-Titans, already did a segment on that. But the first game on Saturday was Chiefs-Raiders. I actually thought the Raiders would cover. They did not. Their effort was pathetic. And, I mean, listen. Not to go back to Lovey Smith, but can, can I just say this? Lovey Smith won three games. It's only three games. It's, it's terrible. We get that. But he had one of the worst rosters in the NFL. Josh McDaniels had Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, and Josh Jacobs, who led the league in rushing. They won three more games than Houston did. And yet, Josh McDaniels keeps his job, but Lovey Smith loses his. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. But Kansas City ran the play heard around the world. The I think they called it the ring around the rosy play, which unfortunately was called back due to penalty. I didn't, by the way, I didn't even love the penalty call. I think was did they call it in Creed Humphrey? I think it was. I think they called it in the center Creed, Creed Humphrey, if I'm not mistaken. But that uh I'm sorry, Patrick Mahomes, I'm reading right here. He called it the snow globe play. Uh, if you didn't see it, please look it up on YouTube. It's it's very fun to watch. It's 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 a darn shame that that was called back. 
because <laughs> it was it was it was pretty cool. But the Chiefs beat the Raiders and clinched the number one seed in the NFC. Tom Brady officially suffered the first loss of his career against the Atlanta Falcons because he started the game. The loss will go on his resume. But before he went out, Tom Brady was looking pretty good. He threw a touchdown pass, was looking good up until he was pulled for uh, for Blaine Gabbert in the uh, late in the first half. Atlanta won that game thirty to seventeen and hurt their draft position. Bills beat the Patriots 35 to 23. It's like this game was taken out of a storybook. Given what happened with DeMar Hamlin on Monday, which by the way, can I just say DeMar Hamlin was discharged from the hospital today. DeMar Hamlin was just discharged from the hospital today. God is good. The prayers have done wonders. The medical treatment he's received has been absolutely remarkable. Uh, but I just want to say that DeMar Hamlin has been discharged. <laughs> but for the opening kickoff, Naheem Hines takes it to the house. The opening kickoff, kickoff the first play after DeMar Hamlin goes down. It's absolutely outstanding. Takes it to the distance and does it again in the second half. Not to mention there are some historical significance that makes you wonder some things, if you know what I mean. So DeMar Hamlin obviously wears number three, and Josh Allen got emotional about the stat. It had been three years and three months since the Bills had last returned to kickoff for a touchdown. Or the, I think the opening kickoff for a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. Like, I mean, come, on, come on, come on. Like, it, it doesn't... You you can't make this stuff up. You you can't you you can't write it in, in a book any better than this. Not to mention that the second kick return for a touchdown uh, by Naheem Hines came when the Bills were down. You guessed it, three points. I mean, it it, it doesn't get better than that. But the Bills won. Obviously, you saw the numerous tributes during the game to Demar Hamlin. But they won the game, clinched the number two seed. The Patriots are out of the playoffs, as I said they'd be before the season, by the way. I hit the Patriots and the Packers. I mean, I nailed those. As much as I miss Broncos, Rams, and God knows I missed those. They had a combined record of 10 and 22. Okay, that was, was way off on those. But I hit the nail on the head on the Patriots. I said they win seven, they won eight. I said the Packers would win nine, they won eight. So there you go. But a Mac Jones was terrible. Shocker, shocker, threw three picks, all of which came in the second half. Vikings beat the Bears 29-13. to Most importantly, headline come from this game. The Bears get the number one pick. Uh, they used two quarterbacks during this game. Um, who knows what they'll do. They're not going to take a quarterback, obviously, so we'll see if they possibly trade back um, to a team that does need a quarterback, get some assets, and so we'll see what the Bears do. They are officially on the clock for late April. Bengals beat the Ravens 27-16. to Can't say I was – listen – you, you got to win the NFL. We get that. But I can't say I was all that impressed with that win by Cincinnati. Uh, the Ravens are, to say the least, not very good without Lamar Jackson. They once again failed to break 20 points, this time with Anthony Brown starting at quarterback. But Cincinnati got off to a hot start, but they were mostly aided by takeaways. Like, I didn't think Joe Burrow uh, and, 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 you know, the Cincinnati offense played all that well. But... Lamar Jackson could be coming back is, is what the reports are saying this week. I think it's a horrible decision by Lamar to me. Stay out. You're only, your leverage builds every single week. Keep, you know, hang on to the momentum. Momentum is a powerful thing. Hang on to it. You know, because the Bengals play the Ravens again 
in Wild Card Weekend next Sunday night. So just be careful with that if you're Lamar Jackson. Texas beat the Colts, as I mentioned. Two crazy plays. Colts on the last drive of the game convert not one but two fourth down and longs, including a fourth and 20 for a touchdown. They got the two-point conversion to Aiken, and they wound up winning the game 32-31. to So uh, Jeff Saturday, in his first game as a head coach, beat the uh, Las Vegas Raiders and lost every single game after that. Uh, Colts are uh, Colts got a long way to go before they get back to playoff contention. Dolphins in the ugliest game of the NFL season beat the Jets 11 to 6. Skylar Thompson started at quarterback as, you know, and listen, I'm not being hard on Skylar Thompson. He's a third stringer for a reason. But uh, as bad as the game was offensively, there was a huge horse collar call on the Jets player grabbing uh, Jalen Waddell. Dolphins got into field goal range, hit the game winning field goal. They obviously got a safety there at the end when the Jets were trying some hook and ladder play. But the Dolphins, via the Patriots loss, in the playoffs. So hats off to Miami for not absolutely collapsing at the end of the season. I think I read they became the fifth team in NFL history to make the playoffs despite having, a at one point, a five-game losing streak during the regular season. So there you go. Hats off to the Dolphins, and hats off to Mike McDaniel in his first year. Panthers beat the Saints 10-7. to uh, Game-winning field goal by Carolina. Game meant nothing. I'll move on. Steelers beat the Browns 28-14. to By far the best game of Kenny Pickett's career. Kenny Pickett yesterday against Cleveland uh, threw for a touchdown at a QBR of 66. Uh, moved the ball well down the field. They ran the ball well and uh, outplayed Deshaun Watson. Made some key throws. And obviously, I, I thought Pittsburgh would get in because I picked them to beat Cleveland and get a Dolphins and Patriots loss. They got the Patriots loss, but they didn't get the Dolphins loss. So Miami's in. Steelers' season is over. But Mike Tomlin, the streak has been saved, ladies and gentlemen. Nine and eight, winning record, 16 straight years with a winning record. I'm sorry, with a non-losing record for Mike Tomlin. And this one, the most impressive. A quarterback carousel, losing TJ Watt in the season opener. And a terrible offensive line. I mean, hats off to Mike Tomlin and the Steelers for, uh, for doing what they did. What else we got? Broncos country, let's ride. They beat the Chargers 31 to 28. Russell Wilson, you know, took him to week 18, a totally meaningless game, last game of the regular season, to look like the Russell Wilson I thought he'd look like. But 283 yards, three touchdown passes, QBR 56, and a great pass rating of 118. But the big story from this one, Brandon Staley. You guys know I'm not all that high on, on Coach Staley. The Chargers go into this game knowing it means nothing for their playoff chances because due to the Ravens' loss, they were locked in as the number five seed. They played their starters all the way through and lost Joey Bosa, who says he's going to be back this week, but he'll certainly be beat up. And possibly for the rest of the year, Mike Williams, who's one of the biggest matchup nightmares in the NFL. 6'5", fast, big catch radius, has a great rapport with Justin Herbert, and the Chargers may not even have him. Chargers lose this week against Jacksonville. I think it'll be the last game of Brandon Staley's coaching career in Los Angeles. Eagles beat the Giants 22-16 in the least impressive win of the weekend. Listen, win's a win. We get that. But if you'd have told me you come in this game, okay, the Eagles are going to have all their starters healthy outside of Lane Johnson. They're going to get Jalen Hurts back. They're going to play the Giants' JV team and win by six. If you watch the Giants, they were moving the ball down the field late. 
Davis Davis Webb was, was solid in the fourth quarter. Kenny Gall. Oh shoot. Oh oh boy. We got breaking news. All right. Breaking news. Kenny Galladay caught a touchdown pass. He finally did it. After robbing the Giants blind for the last two years, that massive contract, it took him two years, but he finally caught a touchdown pass. And by the way, did it in style. It was a great catch. Made it one-handed in the back of the end zone. Kenny Dolly got a touchdown catch. Thank God. Uh, but the Eagles clinched the number one seed and the NFC East, although they would have clinched the East even with uh, you know with, with the Cowboys' loss. Niners beat the Cardinals 38-13. to No shock there. The big story from this one is J.J. Watt, the final game of his NFL career. Uh, you know, Got a sack in the game, by the way. Was acknowledged by the crowded San Francisco. His family was up in the stands. Very emotional. Uh, hats off to one of the greatest careers in modern NFL history. 12 years, J.J. Watt. I think he won three Defensive Player of the Year awards. Could have easily won the 2014 MVP. Uh, before there was Aaron Donald, there was J.J. Watt, one of the most dominant interior presences in the NFL on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but the card, I'm sorry, the Niners won 38-13. They got the number two seed. They will face the winner of this one. The Seahawks beat the Rams in overtime, 19-16, to on a Geno Smith game-winning drive. Uh, listen, Jason Myers missed the game-winning field goal in regulation to send the game to overtime. But, and I'm not going to be hard on Baker Mayfield. You guys know I'm not a Baker fan. But, listen. (laughs) Baker threw that ball up for grabs. I don't think, listen, I'm critical of Baker all the time. I don't think it was that bad of a throw. I think Quandre Diggs just made an amazing play on the ball. Not to mention, let's give Quandre Diggs props for what's due. This is now three straight seasons for him with six interceptions. Like, dude, dude can play. So hats off to Quandre Diggs of the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle is in the playoffs. Who would have ever thought that? Outside of Richard Sherman, of course. Richard Sherman called it. Outside of Richard Sherman. I mean, I had the Seahawks folks as a three-win team. I had them as a three-win team. That's off to, to the Seahawks for getting the postseason without Russell Wilson. Dangerous Wilson. Uh, John Rivera said you should not fire a coach after one year, only if they do something crazy or Urban Meyer. Agreed. He says can't make this stuff up. Patrick Brown, Mike Tomlin's streak of winning seasons continue. Indeed, it does. Uh, <laughs> Patrick Brown, Kenny finally makes an appearance. Uh, <laughs> and John Rivera says, I thought you was really breaking news. You got me. Hey, hey, listen, listen. It kind of is breaking news. I mean, it doesn't happen. Kenny Galladay doesn't catch touchdown passes in a New York Giants uniform. Okay. He actually finally earned his money yesterday. So hats off to Kenny Galladay for not uh, just committing the crime each and every week of robbing the Giants blind. Uh Real quick before I get to the college football national championship predictions, I did want to say uh, to look over this. So before the season, I made my playoff predictions one through seven. Do I have it here? Yep. One through seven. So in the AFC, I said in order one one through seven, Bills, Broncos, Ravens, Colts, Chiefs, Bengals, Raiders. So in the AFC, I got Kansas City right, Buffalo right, Cincinnati right, Baltimore right. I didn't see Jacksonville getting in. I didn't see the Chargers or the Dolphins getting in. So I went four for seven in the AFC, over half. So that's not terrible, but still not great. I did better, though, in the NFC. So NFC, I had Rams, which I was obviously wrong on, 
Bucks, Vikings, Cowboys, Niners, Saints, Eagles. Uh, so I got in the NFC. Actually, at the top five seeds in the NFC, I got them all right. Eagles, Niners, Vikings, Bucks, Cowboys. I obviously did not see the Giants or the Seahawks getting anywhere near the playoffs. I did think the Rams would be better. So 5% in the NFC, I'll, I'll take that. It's not bad. It's not bad. Um, I did see Minnesota would kind of be the shock of the NFL and that they'd be the three seed, and they were kind of the shock of the NFL and the three seed. So there you go. And I think they'll win a playoff game against the Giants this weekend. As far as the playoff schedule goes, which it was released last night after the Packers game was over, Saturday, you've got Seahawks Niners at 4.30 Eastern on Fox. Niners are currently 10-point favorites in that one. Seems about right. A division rivalry. That should be an interesting matchup. Chargers versus Jaguars on Saturday night. Chargers are a point favorite uh, in Duval County. Uh, Listen, two of the great young quarterbacks in the league playing their first ever playoff game against one another. Should be must-see TV. Dolphins take on the Bills in Buffalo at 1 Eastern on Sunday. Bills are 10.5-point favorites. Who knows what the Dolphins are going to be at quarterback. It could be... I'm hearing Tua's chances are slim to none to play in this game, which if I'm Tua, I wouldn't play. There's no way I'm risking getting a fourth concussion. Plus, the Dolphins aren't going anywhere anyway. Could be Teddy Bridgewater. Could be Skylar Thompson. Who knows? The Bills should 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 win pretty comfortably. Giants play the Vikings in Minnesota. The Vikings are a three-point favorite at home. This game will kick off at 4.30 Eastern on Fox. Uh, this is This sounds about right. You know, the Vikings play a lot of close games. Giants are the surprise playoff team. They're well coached. There's no pressure on the Giants. Nobody even thought they'd get here. So that should be that that might be the best or the most entertaining game of the weekend in terms of a down-to-the-wire game. Ravens take on the Bengals for the second straight week. This time Lamar Jackson could be healthy. That's the Sunday night game on NBC. Bengals are six and a half point favorites. It's a division rivalry. It's two good defenses. Expect it to be close. I, I don't know if I'll take Cincinnati to cover. Not I don't know if I I don't think I'll take the Ravens to upset. I may, but come Friday, depending on Lamar Jackson's health. But this will be very close. Make no mistake about it. And on Monday night, whole country's going to be watching. Cowboys play the Buccaneers on ABC and ESPN. Inexplicably, the Cowboys are three-point road favorites. It makes no sense to me. You know, I said I, I said last Monday that whoever finished second place in the NFC East was going to be one and done, whether it be Dallas or Philly. I don't even think it's going to matter. Brady's going to get them both. Brady's going to get Dallas in round one. He's going to get Philly in round two. Dallas looked awful yesterday. I expect Tampa to win Monday night. You think Philly looked good yesterday? They played the Giants JV squad and scored 22 points, beat them by six. Not to mention the last time Tom Brady faced these Eagles, uh, the game was over at halftime. Tom's going to get them. Make no mistake about it. All right. It comes down to this. The college football playoff national championship game. Uh, trying to pull up the background music right now to you know, set the, the tone for what's going to be a very exciting uh, game tonight. I think um, between the defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs and the shock of college football, almost like that that 10 seed in the in the uh, March Madness tournament that we nobody sees coming, but they get to like the final four. It, it, it's one of those teams, uh, TCU, who was picked to finish seventh, seventh in the Big 12, much less the SEC. It's, it's not the SEC, it's the Big 12. They were picked to finish seventh. So, TCU gets here. So, here we go. The college football playoff national title game tonight. Georgia, TCU in the national title game in beautiful SoFi Stadium, Inglewood, California. 
The dogs are big, big favorites. Minus 13 and a half against the TCU Horned Frogs. So here's a look at for TCU. Obviously, they dropped a 50-burger on Michigan last week in the semifinal game. But 14 of those points were via pick sixes. So they live off the turnovers a little bit. But Max Duggan, and I think was appropriately voted number two in the Heisman voting to Caleb Williams of USC. Max Duggan is one of the more gritty players that we've seen in college football. Solid throw. Not a great throw of the football, but a good one. A good playmaker with his legs. Uh, a a never-quit attitude is willing. If you, watch the, if you watch the Big 12 title game against Kansas State, willing to put his body on the line every single play for his team to give his guys a shot to win. Uh, no question, this was an easy one. Sonny Dykes, the coach of the year in college football, uh, did a remarkable job at leading the Horn Frogs at this point. Again, they were fit, picked to finish seventh. Seventh in their conference. Here they are with an opportunity to claim the national title. As for Georgia... Obviously, we all know the defending national champions. They've lost one game in the last two years. Not a, too, too shameful of a loss. Not too shabby a loss. It was to Alabama in the 2021 SEC title game. But Georgia's undefeated. Okay, they're in this matchup for the second year in a row. For the third time under Kirby Smart. Uh, Stetson Bennett, for his flaws, for his limitations, has been playing outstanding football. He was money in the fourth quarter against the Ohio State Buckeyes, uh, leading back-to-back touchdown drives to win it. This Georgia defense, though, as great as it is, Javon Carter is going to be arguably the first or second or third pick in this year's draft. He's outstanding. However, this is a Georgia defense, as I said, that can be had. Okay, they're not as good at getting to the quarterback as last year's Georgia defense was. LSU dropped 30 on them. Ohio State dropped 40 on them. This is an explosive TCU offense that the offense alone scored 37 against the Michigan Wolverines last week. Expect TCU to get turnovers in this game. Expect I expect Stetson Bennett to have a rough first half. Okay, he's coming in a little overconfident for my taste. You know, he's... The kid's acting like he's the second coming or something. I don't know. But I expect him. It's close down to the fourth quarter. I think, listen, TCU covering the spread. I've got that all day, every day. It comes down to the wire, but when it's all said and done, the Georgia defense gets a stop at the end, just like they did last year against Bryce Young in Alabama. The Georgia Bulldogs win this game. 35-27 to over TCU. They do not cover the the, the 13 half point spread. That feels like a, that feels like a lot. This this is a good TCU football team. I was wrong on them clearly uh, all season long. They are legit. They are well coached. They've got a, a very underrated defense and great play playmakers on the outside and in the running game. This will be close throughout. I think TCU gets out early to the lead, but Georgia holds them off with a big defensive stop in the fourth quarter to claim their second national championship game in a row, becoming the first team in the college football playoff era to win back-to-back national championships. And cement Kirby Smart, arguably, as the new king of college football. Nick Saban's the GOAT. We understand that. Nick Saban is still one of the two or three best coaches in college football. But a new king has arrived, and it's Kirby Smart. We've got a comment here. Patrick Brown's got TCU in the upset. They'll have to build a lead and make Stetson Bennett play from behind. Okay. I listen, I could see TCU winning. I, I know I think uh I think it was um Paul Feinbaum, who's one of the more respected voices in college football. I think he said something along the lines of TCU winning this year's national championship would be the most unlikely national champion in college football history. 
I agree. Not just considering who they're playing tonight, but considering where they're expected to be. Hats off to TCU for getting to this point, and I think it will be close. And I would not be shocked if TCU, uh, you know, if they won this game. But uh, look, as the old saying goes, I bet, man. I bet, man. Take TCU in the points, but Georgia to win outright. I hear a lot of people picking blowout. I do not see that happening. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. As always, be sure to catch Carving It Up Live on Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. Uh, also, be sure to like, share, comment. Hit that big red subscribe button. Take two seconds out of your day and do so. And hit that notification bell. Get notified anytime we upload a video, a YouTube short, or when we go live on Mondays, Thursdays, and Friday each and every week. It's going to be fun these next month, this next month or so going into the NFL postseason, which we'll break down all this week. Uh, also, be sure to subscribe to the Grid Network, the Grid Podcast Network. That is G-R-Y-D. That is where you can listen to my show on YouTube, as well as Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, as well as wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also find Barry Grant Jr. of the All Even Podcast, Patrick Brown, you saw in the comments of the Chaotic Sports Podcast, Ryan Flowers of the Clutch Sports Talk Podcast, uh, who else? The Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast, Alpha Parser Jr. with the Rocket Fuel Jets podcast georgia is taking the field tcu is taking the field it is going to be a very exciting national championship game that kicks off in mere minutes i'm gonna get upstairs watch this game looking forward to it have a great week everybody please continue to stay safe out there please continue to take care of your physical and mental health god bless you all peace out I can't see Stetson Bennett get two of them. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.